Did you know that nearly 9 out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. Commissions are under pressure, regardless of the lawsuit. And I used to go around and talk to all of our agents and they'd say, we have room to raise prices. And now I'm more likely to hear from our agents. We have to compete more aggressively on price that other brokers are getting more aggressive on price. And then dual agency is the other trend where more and more agents are trying to represent both the buyer and the seller. Uh, there are times when the buyer doesn't even know what her rights are. But there are other times where a buyer wishes she could deal directly with the listing agent and she isn't allowed to do so. So I think we have to figure out what we're going to do about that. And even if there weren't a Sitzer lawsuit or a DOJ issue somewhere out there, it seems like the first time in a long time, there are big changes afoot that they already started happening before some of these lawsuits. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Belt, Senior Director of Data and Content, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share trends, secrets to success, and lessons they've learned navigating this ever-changing industry. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business, growth, and strategies. I'm your host, Tracy Velt, Senior Director of Data and Content for Housing Wire. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Glenn Kalman, CEO of Redfin. Um, his brokerage is number six uh, in the Real Trends 500 top brokerages by sales volume and transaction sites. So, welcome, Glenn. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. And I'm going to just start out with a softball right away. So um, I asked this of all my guests because I just find this answer fascinating. And all entrepreneurs have a really interesting like aha moment. They usually have a lot of those, but there's one that generally sticks out in their mind like, oh, yeah, I completely changed my business model or I completely, you know, ditched an idea and went with something else. What is your most impactful aha moment? Oh, well, I've had several in my career, but maybe the biggest aha moment is that there isn't really one single moment. I used to have this model in my head that was like the end of Die Hard. I don't know if you remember when they cut the power to the Nakatomi Plaza and these guys are yes. running into a bank vault, throwing bricks of money around and they're saying, woohoo. And I kept waiting for that moment to come to Redfin and it never really has because the process of succeeding or failing is such a gradual one. So I couldn't say exactly when I stopped being despondent over Redfin and started being hopeful or when I stopped being hopeful about Redfin and started feeling confident about it because it's just taken so long. So that's one answer. I think the transformation that I've gone through more recently is just that I thought of myself as an entrepreneur or an operator at one point where you persevere optimizing different processes, trying to figure out how to hire the right agents or how to deliver the best service. And sometimes your job as the CEO of a company is to step back from that and to be an allocator of capital. Instead of trying to make a project better or worse, 
you should be asking yourself, should we be doing this at all? And I think that lesson applies to every phase of your life. You can get trapped in a bad relationship where you keep trying yeah. to make it better than it was last week or last year without asking yourself, are we ever going to get married? Is this ever going to be the relationship that I really want to be in? And I have not always asked those questions about businesses that Redfin has been in. And so thinking that way has been eye-opening for me. That's interesting. And I know I want to talk about your recent earnings report because you showed an increase in market share um, and you had a much smaller net loss compared to a year ago. In this market, that is, you know, wonderful. And I know you said that it kind of came with shuttering your eye buying venture, but there's more than that, obviously, to increase the market share growth in that. So talk to me a little bit about what you attribute that growth to and, um, you know, kind of what you're doing moving forward. Sure. Well, focus is definitely one part of it. There was a point where we were trying to build our own mortgage business, where we had this eye buying business where we were focused on too many projects and just remembering that putting the customer first, really driving brokerage sales, that is our number one priority, made it easier for us to make progress with our market share, with our sales. You think you're focused, but when you really challenge yourself, is what we're doing right now absolutely critical to our long-term success and you say, maybe, maybe not. Well, then you have to stop doing it. And so I never would have said Redfin was unfocused, but compared to the way we were two years ago, we are so much more focused. And I wouldn't wish a downturn on my worst enemy, but it does bring out the beast, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, where when you have your back against the wall, you realize what's really important. Everything that you were planning to do six months or 12 months from now to make yourself more competitive, let's just do it today. And so going all out to really drive sales and customer satisfaction has been galvanizing for Redfin. It's made us a better company. We're smaller in one way, but bigger in another. Yeah, it's really interesting. I feel, I feel like um, a lot of brokers I talk to, especially when times are really good, they're, you know, they're implementing this and that and moving into, you know, new territory and margins are so thin that of course you're looking at mortgage, of course you're looking at, you know, title, of course you're looking at other, other ways to, um, you know, increase profits. So, you know, when a market like this comes along, you realize, okay, wait, I got to dial back and really focus on, you know, one or two priorities, three tops. And, um, so, so I hear that from a lot of brokers, and those are the ones that grow the most market share in downturns. It's so true. I don't want to get too heavy on this podcast, but my wife is an oncologist, mostly in research, but she also sees patients. And when people get that diagnosis and learn how much longer they have to live, they do have this true moment of clarity about what's really important in life and having an existential real estate downturn where every agent has to decide, why did I even get into this business? Is real estate what I really love selling? Is this my passion? It forces some people into other careers, but it actually brings other people to a deeper level of conviction. This is what I was meant to do. And those are the people you want to be working with. And so again, it's a hard thing to go through the downturn, but it's been so good for us too. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of leads me into my next question, which because um, it's the elephant in the room always when I'm talking to brokers, and those are the commission lawsuits. And 
I know you were named in a recent one, Redfin was, and I, I really was surprised. Me too. <laughs> and I was surprised because you've built your whole model around transparency and offering low fees. And, um, you know, I just found it interesting that you were named in that. And so I want to talk a little bit about, like you recently disassociated with NAR, um, and you're passionate about that kind of advocacy and consumer advocacy. So tell me a little bit about um, your decision to leave NAR and your path moving forward. Um, you know, are there any new things you're implementing? Um, again, you've always really built that transparency. So, Sure. Well, every company has to have a reason to exist, and especially in hard times, you want to be able to imagine that if the world didn't have Remax, or if the world didn't have Redfin, or if the world didn't have Keller Williams, that there would be this great hue and cry because everyone knows why this company needs to exist. And for Redfin, that answer has always been to give consumers a better deal. That often means lower fees, but it also just means that we're going to work really hard to help sell our customers' house and give them a good value. So we were surprised to be named in the suit. We've had an up and down relationship with the National Association of Realtors. And I really want to emphasize both sides of that because, of course, it was public when we decided to leave the National Association of Realtors. But they've come in and talked to us about fair housing. They've helped us do so many things. I just wish we could take the good parts and set aside some of the other parts because when we talked to them, we said, why are we defending some of these issues? This is certainly not why Redfin exists. This is not what we believe in. And in your heart of hearts, I don't think you believe in it either. And when you're defending something, we've all gotten an argument where you just have started to wonder as the, as the argument wears on, why am I defending this particular position? Uh, for us, that got really uncomfortable. And so that coupled with some of the sexual harassment allegations, which are really hard to understand at the scale that they were at, just made it not just a logical decision, but sort of an emotional decision. You know, 60, 70% of our workforce is female. And there were just people all over Redfin saying, tell me again, why are we doing this? And then I asked myself, why am I defending NAR within Redfin? This is not something we want to do. Now, of course, there are limits to that because in many towns to belong to NAR, is a prerequisite so that you can get access to a sentry lockbox and the MLS and all the rest. And so, of course, we're going to continue to do that. It's the lobbying that we really have an issue with. Why are we paying for this particular legal defense? Why are we paying for this particular political advocacy? It's not even something we agree with. Yeah. I mean, do you see that changing? Um, do you see NAR changing, especially given the recent um, decision, even though that will likely be appealed and, and take a long time before anything actually happens. Well, if you listen to everybody's earnings call, Redfin's earnings call, Remax's earnings call, Zillow's earnings call, there was a real difference in tone. So Redfin is more open to the possibility that this won't just be a modest reform, but given the stakes involved, that it could be a significant restructuring. And I'm not here to argue with you about whether that is good or bad. It's just my job. It's my job to prepare this company and our agents for whatever the future may bring. And preparation is not sticking your head in the sand. Preparation is saying, well, what if it was like this? Or what if it was like that? 
And so we just want to be pretty clear eyed that there seem to be several trends that are stronger than I've ever seen in my 18 years of running Redfin. One is that commissions are under pressure, regardless of the lawsuit. For the first time in my career at Redfin, I used to go around and talk to all of our agents and they'd say, we have room to raise prices. And now I'm more likely to hear from our agents that actually we have to compete more aggressively on price, that other brokers are getting more aggressive on price. And then dual agency is the other trend where more and more agents are trying to represent both the buyer and the seller. And I get that that can be a conflict of interest. Uh, There are times when the buyer doesn't even know what her rights are. But there are other times where a buyer wishes she could deal directly with the listing agent and she isn't allowed to do so. So I think we have to figure out what we're going to do about that. And even if there weren't a Sitzer lawsuit or a DOJ issue somewhere out there, it seems like for the first time in a long time, there are big changes afoot that they already started happening before some of these lawsuits. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm in Florida and we went through that um, with dual agency a long time ago. Um, It was the, I think, Thompson broker case. It was several states in the South. So they actually are assumed transaction brokers and not representing either side unless they choose to, you know, have a, have something signed. It's been such a debate here at Redfin, really passionate people on either side of the issue. So in a place like Palm Springs, California, all the agents say, I've been hired to sell this house. The listing client wants me to be aggressive about finding every single buyer and being the one who tours them. And if they want to write an offer, I should do it. Who are you to stop me? And then there are people in North Carolina who say, that is against the law. And of course, it varies state to state. But I just haven't seen this much ferment in the industry in a long time. I came into this so long ago saying, a revolution is at hand. And what I learned in the first 12 months is, no, that is not the case. This is a very resilient industry. Um, there are intricate levels of cooperation that make it work. And so I stopped saying that. And when people would try to convince me that something big is about to happen, I'd say, no, 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 I'm an old timer. I've seen it all, Buster. This is the first time in a while where I think, man, there's a lot going on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I started, um, actually at the, at Florida realtors as their, um, communication assistant in the in the early 90s and so i've seen that whole when zillow came to when you came you know to market like um and everything was a crisis um you know zillow they're gonna they're gonna you know disintermediate the agent we're never gonna have them agents again or you know um redfin's gonna disintermediate they're gonna be they're gonna change everything and this time though i do feel like this is the first time I really feel like things are going to change in real estate. With or without the lawsuits, it just feels like things have already started to change. And maybe one element of that is that usually in a downturn, there are a glut of listings. And so even though agents are very competitive and need the business more than ever, most listings are offering at least the typical fee for the buyer's agent. But now it's so bizarre, isn't it? That there's a downturn where there's very few sales, 
but there's also very few listings. And I think most listing agents aren't actually worried about whether or not they will get a buyer. That's starting to happen now, just in the fall. Some of that is seasonal, but some of it is that the market is finally softening in terms of price. But it was a real perfect storm for most of the past 18 months because the competition between agents was high, but the competition between listings uh, wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that kind of leads to my next question, because you have an amazing economist and your data is is excellent. And I want to know whether you're seeing some kind of glimmers of hope in the real estate market right now. I do. I mean, today we had a good inflation print. If you look at the CPI numbers, I think mortgage rates came down 20, 30 basis points on that basis. And so much depends on rates. But the other change because for probably 18 months, we've been saying the same thing, which is that sales volume is falling through the floor, but prices are holding steady. And now I think there's a significant basis for prices to soften. And maybe we should worry about that as a calamity. But honestly, with affordability at a four decade low, I think we need a break. I think many of our home buyers want to buy a house. They know they need to move and they just can't afford it. So to have a correction where there is no correction, where home prices don't get affordable again, that was what was really hard. I bought my house in 2008, and I would never have been able to afford it in 2007 or in 2012. Um, so there are a lot of people who are looking to pile into the market, but prices need to come down. And I think there's a good possibility that we're going to see some softening in prices, not just through the seasonal downturn, the winter, but into the spring too. Listings have been increasing significantly for the first time, new listings and um, stale listings. So that's the change that I see. And it causes some dislocation. Some of our customers are going to freak out. It's going to be harder for us to sell houses. But long-term, it's the corrective we need, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I the the one thing I have noticed and and I want to know how your agents are feeling. I have not heard a lot of negativity about the market from agents. Um they the ones I'm talking to seem very positive. Like I've been through this before, I'm going to go through it again. It's going to be fine. Um are you hearing that? Are you getting that from your agents as well? The best ones find a way to win in any environment. And so, you know, we just had our president's club trip last week to Costa Rica and we heard from our agents how confident they are about their ability to prosper in any market. But I do think there is a new level of anxiety among the rank and file about some of this industry change, um, just how weird the market is where inventory is really low, sales volume is really low. Um, so I think everybody's trying to figure it out. I've certainly been more confident yeah. about predicting the future in the past than I am right now. And so I'm not always perfectly reassuring. The only reassurance you can really have is just to be quick on your feet, isn't it? Yeah. And whatever change comes, we're just going to get in front of it. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I want to talk to you about your Redfin Max, um, your variable sure, sure, commission sure. Um, plan. You're piloting it in San Francisco and Los Angeles. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit. I know um, that you said, you know, to be competitive in those areas, you felt like you needed to, uh, to offer some options. 
Um, and I know you just implemented, so you might not have seen results yet, but um, tell me a little bit about that and have you gained any traction in those areas since you um, implemented it? Well, it's not as if we've rolled it out yet. So we've started okay. recruiting agents under the Redfin Max plan, but our employees today in those markets are still getting a salary. And we've told them that on January 1st, we're going to switch to higher bonuses and no salary. And there will be some transition paid to help them with that. So they don't miss a mortgage payment or anything like that. But the immediate reaction has been some Redfin agents who left good old friends of mine who are amazing producers, but also corridor culture texted me back and said, put me in coach. I want to come back <laughs> to Redfin. So that felt really good. And I would say the other immediate change we noticed was we planned to limit it to coastal markets where home prices are high. That's where you have an agent who sells a $3 million house and thinks about what that commission would be if she got 80% of it and compares that to what the bonus would be. Instead, though, even markets like Oklahoma or Mississippi, where home prices are more affordable, have wanted this program. So um, we had thought that we were doing our agents in those markets a favor by paying them a salary, but it turns out that they prefer having the upside. Um, so we may be rolling it out faster to other markets. Uh, we just want to take care of our people. I think the best endorsement for Redfin Max won't come from me or any industry pundit. It'll come from the agents in San Francisco and LA who say, I love this. I made more money. I serve my customers better. And so far, their enthusiasm has led us to extend it to Orange County and San Diego. I know we're recording this before we announce it, but by the time it goes live, I think it'll be out there. Um, so we're just going to take a bigger risk here because... Our own people are asking for it. Yeah, that's the one thing. Um, I know this isn't really one of my questions, but the one thing when I interviewed you last, which has actually been a couple of years now um, since you came on the podcast, I can't believe it's been that long. But the one thing that really stuck with me is your passion about taking care of the agents. I mean, I remember you made some comment like, is it wrong to offer a living wage to the people who work, you know, um, and that really, really stuck duck with me. What makes you so passionate about that? Well, they're my colleagues and friends. I and mean, there was a point early in my career here at Redfin when I really didn't want to go down to the sales floor. I just wanted to hang out with the software engineers. And now it's almost a reversal where the longest relation, standing relationships that I have are with real estate agents here at Redfin, where people you meet, and they're single, have gotten married, they've had two or three kids, some of them have gotten a divorce, gotten remarried, we've been through it all together. And they stuck with me through thick and thin, so I have to stick with them through thick and thin as best that both of us can. So that's, I think, where the emotion comes from. And maybe there's also this reaction, which is sometimes I worry that the industry is selling lottery tickets. If you go to any big real estate convention, there's a top producer up there talking about how she made $2 million in gross commissions. And can't you all be like that when most people in the industry fail? And it shouldn't be that hard to be a real estate agent. If one out of five people or one out of six people get to the mountaintop and the other four are barely eking by, I don't know how you build a great culture. Because of course we want there to be upside for the people who really win. 
Um, but I just don't quite endorse a Hobbesian world where most of the others are really struggling. And I do think being a real estate agent, I've learned one thing running Redfin. It's one of the hardest jobs in the world. And so my job is to make their job easier. So how can we do that? Well, we want to connect them with opportunities through redfin.com. We want to give them the support people that they need for evening showings, to write up offers, to handle some of the paperwork. Um, to really be a successful agent, you kind of have to put together a whole business. And most people are really good at meeting customers and really good at driving sales. And they stumble with some of the other parts of it. So we're trying to make that part easy. Yeah, yeah. And um, that kind of, I want to talk a, lo a little bit about how you're positioning your company to thrive through this next iteration of um, the market and real estate in general, the, the industry, um, you know, what is that that you're doing? Well, one of these things is Redfin Max, which gives the agent more upside, lets us recruit a broader range of agents. The number of times I've met traditional brokers who mumbled to me, if I had your website and you had my sales force together, we could rule the universe. I don't know that we completely <laughs> embrace the traditional model. There's still some core elements of putting the customer first, being an employee, controlling the quality of the service, making sure we give people a good price. But we have learned something from the traditional industry too. And so combining the best of both worlds, I think, gives us a much broader mission where we, instead of having 1,000 or 2,000 agents advancing under the Red Fen banner, it should be 5,000 or 10,000, I hope. Um, so I think that's part of it. And then the other part of it is there's just this big schism in the real estate industry where some brokers are trying to get as small as possible so that they have the smallest possible split and the agent can pay Zillow or what have you to meet consumers. And other brokers are saying, well, how can we be better? How can we offer services that agents are willing to pay for? Because I'm not trying to be extractive where we just take money out of the split to line my own pocket. We're trying to figure out what can really make an agent more successful. And I still believe, I still believe that having a larger website presence is going to be more important than ever. Because if we do go to a world where dual agency continues to increase, being the best platform for marketing your listings to the broadest possible audience will help you get more listings and help you use those listings to meet more buyers. Yeah. And, um, I think I last I saw you had 55 million visitors. Was it a month? Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. I don't want to sound cocky about this. I mean, I think, you know, Tracy, that we've been through the <laughs> ringer. So we've had plenty of ups and downs. I love Redfin. Yes. I believe in it more than ever. Um, but, you know, mm -hmm. I still go to bed at night. What about this? What about that? <laughs> Lions and tigers and bears turn on the light and look under the bed and see if there's anyone under there. Um, yeah, it's just a harrowing life in real estate, isn't it? Yeah, I don't. You are definitely not alone. Um, I've spoken to a lot of leaders who feel the same way. So yeah, it'll so, be yeah. all right. Yep. And um, so, where are you seeing the most opportunity in this market right now? For really, for brokerage um, more than agents. Uh, gosh, that is such an interesting question. I mean, first of all, I do think that listings are a source of power. You talked about this panic when Redfin and Zillow and other portals came along that the listing agent was worried, gosh, you know, I'm going to post my listing on another website and then 
all the customers that it generates are going to go to somebody else. I think there's a real opportunity to reimagine how we sell houses, where we're connecting more directly with buyers, we're marketing the property more directly to buyers. And so that makes me optimistic about brokers and the balance of power between brokers and websites. And maybe I can afford to be that way because Redfin is both. Um, you know, we have our own listings, but that I think is a real opportunity. And then just generally, whenever there's a lot of change, um, a lot of people are going to be scared. But if you sit down and think about what you're going to do, I think you can do better. You know, there was a point when I was really worried about Redfin. I think it was when Zillow bought Trulia. Um, and it just seemed like they were too big. We were going to get squashed. And my twin brother, I have an identical twin brother. He looks just like me, but a little more handsome. He said, mammals in the, in the age of Cretaceous or mammals in the age of dinosaurs. He would end every phone call saying, you know, be this, this little rabbit or, I don't know, some hedgehog scamping around through the bones of dinosaurs and, and you know, all this snow and stuff and, and just try to make it. And so I think being opportunistic about opportunities, uh, being agile and priding yourself on your ability to figure things out. That's what I love about this industry. It's the most entrepreneurial industry in the world. And whenever people say the sky is falling, I say, if I were going to bet on anyone to figure it out, it would be a real estate broker. Those people have been living by their wits from the dawn of time. Absolutely. And I learned something new today. I did not know that you had an identical twin brother. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. Fascinating. I love that. Oh, yes. One of my best friends is a twin. So um, we, we talk about that connection all the time. <laughs> is your friend close to a twin? Oh, they're best friends. Yes. That's the way we yeah. are too. When my wife was pregnant, the ultrasound person told us, you're not going to find out anything at the first test. There's nothing, not gender, nothing. And I regret saying this, but I instantly said, no, we'll find out one thing. We'll find out if it's twins or a single twin. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that is true. <laughs> and I was like, not that I care. Either way is great. But I don't know how being a non-twin you get through life, you know, I, <laughs> I need to talk to somebody and yeah. he needs to talk to me. Did you have twins? Really good. No, I don't. But uh, my kids are two years apart and they're thick as thieves. Um, to any parent with younger kids, they wanted to tear each other's eyes out. I used to take the younger one to the garage and he would cry and say, my brother is so selfish. <laughs> I'm like, of course he is. He's eight years old. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but now... They're really good friends. So just as good as twins or even better as far as I'm concerned. Oh, that's great. Oh, um, my last question for you is just what's next? What's next for you? What's next for Redfin? Um, you know. Oh, man. Well, I'll tell you what I tell my wife, which is they shoot horses, don't they? And that's a code phrase for us, which means one day I won't get to do this. One day you're going to call Redfin for an interview with the CEO and it's going to be some other person and she's going to be better than me. And I'm going to be at home in a rocking chair, just thinking what I could have, would have, should have done. And so I have found my purpose in life. I mean, I have a purpose outside of work, which is to be a good parent and a moral human being and, mm -hmm. you know, to live by God's rules and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. But here at work, I have found the best possible thing to do, which is to help people move to a better life. You know, I could be selling, I don't know, chocolate chips or dental equipment or 
<laughs> Why would you do that when you could help people get a better future for their family? And so this is all I want to do. And I just, I hope I get to keep doing it. And right now, what's exciting for me is that sometimes I felt like, oh man, you know, I love Redfin, but it's rinse and repeat. And then there are other times where I'm like, oh my gosh, everything's coming at us. And those times you'll look back on nostalgically and you'll say, we were in the SHIT and we dealt with it and we came through it stronger and you're proud of yourself in those moments. So we're living really intensely right now. And that's bad in some ways, but for me, it's pretty good. I love that. I, and it is so true. Um, I mean, it's true in business. It's true in life in general. I mean, um, you know, thank you for, for sharing your thoughts and inspiration and everything Redfin today on the Real Trending Podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. And I'm sorry we didn't do this sooner than uh, two years later. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I love your podcast. Thanks. Um, I hope we get to talk again soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.